Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Someone say good morning. How many are really ready to grasp something this morning? Because I think this morning's message is something that, well, we know that David learned something. Have you ever learned something and got really happy that you did? How many, um, when you learn to cook better than your mother? How many, and that does not me yet, but how many of you are, you know, how much uh, when you could do something better than someone, you say, I finally can do that just as good as, and you can kind of level it. What is it? Um, you know, maybe you're cutting meat better than your boss. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, can you cut meat better than your boss? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't tell your boss, you tell your boss though. Um, but I want to talk to you today and continue for my David series, A Man After God's Own Heart. I so immensely enjoyed taking the trip uh, and seeing David again. David, um, it's just a, just a reminder of all that David went through before he got a chance to see all God was bringing him to. And uh, today's uh, journey, today's message is trusting God in the journey. How many know you're on a journey? Mm. you got to trust God. you got to trust God. And sometimes the journey gets tough. John Kavanaugh went to Calcutta, and he wanted to give three months of his life to work with Mother Teresa. And so he did. And while he was there, he, he got a chance to not only go work with her, but talk with her one-on-one. And while he was talking with her one-on-one, he brought a prayer request all the way, thousands of miles away. He brought that prayer request, and he wanted Mother Teresa to pray for him. And so he asked Mother Teresa to pray, and Mother Teresa said, sure, what would you want me to pray for? He says, I want to pray that God would give me clarity. And she said, I will not And um, he said, um, I will not, can you fix it now? I will not pray for clarity. Um, and um, she, he said, why not? You seem to be a woman who's uh, clear um, in, in your thought and what you want to do. She laughed. She says, clear? He said, no, I'm not clear about anything. What I am good about is walking in faith and trusting God. Because when you learn to trust God, that's when clarity comes. A lot of times people won't move until we have clarity. I want to know. I want to understand. I want the T's crossed. I want the I's dotted. I want the signed on the right line. I want everything just right. And then, and then, okay, God, I'll do it. And God says, I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry, daughter. That's not how I work. Because a walk with God is always going to be a walk of trust. And the question I have is, are you trusting God on the journey? And I'm not talking partially. You're either trusting or you're rusting. You're either in or you're out. you got to be all in or you're just like, is the water okay? 
How many have gone onto a pool one day before you jump in? You go, what's the water temperature? I remember a time I was at my brother's house in his pool and, and it was cold. I mean, it was cold. And so I said to him, this is cold. And uh, he said, oh, it is, is it? And just whoo, drove in. And I went like this, uh, slowly. Then I put my other foot in slowly. And I was going, you know. And he's like, you, are, you have become such a wimp. And, um, and it was partially true. And, uh, and, and so it took me forever to get into the cold water. He says, brother, you are torturing yourself. You just need to dive in and stop doing it slow because the slowness, it, it, actually, you torture yourself. And so finally, after I was like halfway, and I'm like, this is torture, I just said, you know what? And I went down. And I dove. And after I dove, I came back up and I said, oh, my word, I tortured myself. You know, it's amazing. Once your body is wet and your body finally adjusts, I was swimming and scuba diving when I was getting certified. I was in water. I think it was like 50 degrees in the water for a long periods of time with a suit on. My, my lips, I thought, were going to fall off. They were purple, and I, I know I was just barely holding on to my thing, you know, and it was cold water, and they were, that was part of the testing, I guess. You had to dive in this cold water, do a, a cold water dive, and night dives, and day dives, and to get certified, and I didn't like the cold. Sometimes when you trust in God, it seems cold. Sometimes it, it's not comfortable. Just look at your neighbor and say, I know what he's talking about. You see... We've talked about David, and in chapter 24, you see David is in a cave, and he cuts off the robe. And in that story there, David spears the life of Saul. In chapter 25, we talk about Nabal, and he's a wicked man, and David wants to kill him. And David learns a great lesson from Abigail. And today, in chapter 26, it's all about Saul and David again. Saul's out to kill David. I want you to understand something that what happens in chapter 25, we see David learn in chapter 26. So here's my question. When you learn something in God, how fast do you apply it? I mean, think about this. You and I know things we need to do, and we know what the right thing to do is, what is right and wrong. Most of us all know. Question is, do we do it when we need to do it? David is about to do something. He's a different man in chapter 26 than he was at chapter 25. We should be different people when we close the book on that chapter. We should be different when all of a sudden we learn the lesson and we say, yep, this is what I need to apply. I need to do this. Boom. I'm all in. Because David's all in. There's four things here that we're going to be talking about today is first of all, you have to trust God to do right. You have to do right. If you're going to trust God, you have to do it. Someone say do it. Mm, got to do it. Second, if you're going to trust God, you, you got to believe God's going to make it right. So if you're going to trust God, you're going to believe God that God's going to make things right. I don't know. I'm going to trust him. I don't know how he's going to work this out. I am in it. I'm going to trust my God. Number three that you need to do, you're going to trust God that he's going to protect you and provide for you. As you trust God and you believe him for his word, you're going to believe, say, God, I'm in it. I'm going to trust you to protect me. I'm going to trust you to provide for me. And then third, fourth is a beautiful thing. 
that when you learn to trust God, you know he's going to reward you. How many like rewards? I love giving out rewards. I really do sometimes because people get really excited. And I like to watch people when they get an award. Like if I, if I gave, a, let's suppose I had $1,000 and I pulled people's names in and I pulled someone's name out and they won $1,000. How many would be happy if you, had, if you won $1,000? Come on, raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, you're lying in the house of God. I see that hand very high. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, hey, because we could be a blessing to someone. A lot of times people say, oh, what can I do for me? How about this? What can you do? For, how can you be a blessing to others? And um, that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. So this morning, we're going to take a journey about trusting God in the journey. So if you get your Bibles open, get your iPads or your phone, whatever you're using, and if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew that you can open up. Everybody should have the Word of God in their hands as we open the Word of God. Someone say amen. amen. All right. First, number one, trust God to, to do and to make things right. First Samuel chapter 26, 1 through 7, look what it says. The Ziphites went to Saul and Gibeah. And said, is not David hiding on the hill of Hekiah, which faces Jezamin? So Saul went down to the desert of Ziph with his 3,000 chosen men of Israel to search there for David. Saul made his camp beside the road on the hill of Hekiah, I can never say Hekiah, facing Jezamin. But David stayed in the desert when he saw that Saul had followed him there, watch what he does. This is important. Verse 4, he sent out scouts and learned that Saul had definitely arrived. Look at verse 5. When David set out, went to the place where Saul had camp, he saw where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of the army, had laid down. Saul was laying inside the camp with the army encamped around him. David then asked Ahimelech the Hittite and Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, who will go down into the camp with me to Saul? I'll go with you, said Abishai. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with a spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. So let's just look at this portion for a second because it's an interesting portion because Saul goes out to go for David. Now we know that David is, well, I should say Saul is an enemy. He sees David as his enemy. Saul has this twisted mind, can't see the truth, doesn't want to know the truth. And he hears from the Ziphites, and this is not the first time they squealed on David. They hear from the Ziphites, hey, this is where David is, Saul. And so Saul says, oh, oh wait a minute. Oh, I know I got information. Now he's tempted. I'm going to go kill him. I know in chapter 24, I know he's going to be king, and I know God's blessed, and he's a more righteous man than me, but I still want him dead. Saul admits he's wrong, but yet he continues to pursue. He, Saul admits that he's a better man, but he's still going to try to kill David. He is now tempted by the words of the Ziphites because they give him information. But what does David do? This is an amazing thing. I think we can all learn something. Because David hears that Saul comes in, but what does he do? 
he goes out and puts out his own spies and starts to learn some information. Saul and 3,000 well-qualified military men are out to kill David, and David has this idea. Huh, I'm going to go in the center of camp. We'll talk about that in a little bit. David sees where the king and Abner are. They're sleeping. There's 3,000 soldiers. And David decides to go into the enemy's camp. And he says, hey, anybody like to go with me? It's like if I asked you, I was going to go somewhere dangerous. Somewhere with a lot of guns and violence and just a dangerous situation. I said, hey, does anybody want to go with me? And this is what people do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to me. No, 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 no. But if it was something great, people would be, ooh, 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 me, me, me. And so all of a sudden, he asked two people, and Abishai, which if you ever look in the scripture, he's quite an interesting young man. And he says, I'll go with you, David. And think about this now. David has a plan. David has a plan, like, we're going to go into the middle, the middle. Someone say the middle. The middle of 3,000 men who are well-trained, that are sleeping, and he has a plan. He has a plan in his head, and he's willing to put himself, watch this now, in danger. He is actually not being passive. He's being aggressive. Passive is, I'm going to keep and hide away from him. No, no. David now is confronting the giant elephant that has come into the land. And he's about to attack Or I should say, not necessarily attack, but make efforts to do something to stop Saul right in his track. So Abishai, which is actually David's nephew, he's one of three brothers, Abishai, Joab, and Ashiel. They are David's sister, Zeruah. You'll hear a lot about the sons of Zeruah. They gave David a lot of problems. They were full of zeal. And so these three brothers come from David's sister. And they are mighty men. There's no question about it. They are part of his mighty men. And everybody who does great things do need mighty people around the person. Because that's how great things take place. And David and Abishai sneak into the camp of soldiers who are well trained, 3,000. So I did is I put a circle. And I put Saul and all his military men right there. And there's 3,000. So if we break it up in thirds, they have to at least pass 1,000 soldiers before they get to the center where Saul is. Someone say 1,000 soldiers. Okay, okay. Now someone say it only takes one. They say it takes one to wake up 1,000. Now, we don't know it until we read this later that God's with him. We don't know if God spoke to David, and that's why God, David had this idea. There's a lot of things we don't know, but we do know this. David's actually putting himself in a place where temptation can be. He's putting himself in danger. He's putting himself with his plan of what he wants to do. But if it doesn't work out well... I don't know if he had the promise of God and God told him what he needed to do. I I don't know. We don't know. All we know is that David went into a camp to the center of it, to the center of it with 3,000 trained soldiers. It seems like a crazy idea. But if you learn a little bit about Abishai, he was crazy too. And so you had two crazy people willing to do a crazy act. Sometimes, can I just say, sometimes God's looking for a little crazy. 
in a good way, God's looking for a little crazy. Because most of us are pretty content. We're, we're safe. We, we only want to move it in case it's safe. It's safe. But we got to be reminded that Matthew 26 41 says, watch and pray so you don't fall in temptation because David's about to go into the enemy's camp and he's about to find a situation that's very interesting. Look at verse 8 to 11. It says, Abishai said to David, today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him. Either his time will come or he will die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and the water jug that's near his head and let's go. We got to stop for a second because we have Abishai. He has this view and he's saying, this is great. David, this is what we're looking for. Oh, we can go home. Abishai is saying, oh, David, this is what God has blessed you again. You, You messed up on 24, chapter 24, when he was in the cave. You didn't take it. But God has smiled on us again and given us another opportunity. And David, David, the spear's right at his head. God's given you the weapon. It's right there. So many people, so many people look at that situation and say, wow, God's good. But God's not in that. God's not setting it up for that reason. But Abishai thinks this is the divine moment. You need and I need to be careful that just because it looks good, just because everything's aligned, and mark my words, there is an enemy of your soul that almost wants to lead you astray to make things look good. We need to make sure it's God's the one who's really speaking because David could have really messed up if he just listened to what Abishai was saying. What Abishai was, Abishai was saying was true. I mean, look, everything's there. The spear's there. David's there. I mean, come on, David. Wake up. God is with you. Look what he's done. Look what he's doing. David responds and says, no, we can't lay our hand on the anointed of the Lord. No one will be guiltless. It don't, it's not going to happen. You see, Abishai, uh, Abishai and David had a different perspective. Now, this is important. Over here, I have a glass that's half full. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. How many would look at a glass and say that's half empty? You're right, so we're not picking on you. Go raise your hand and say that's half empty. Raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Okay, you got to vote. Okay, how many would say that's half full? Okay. Now, both is right in that perspective. But here's the thing. Often... If you are on the negative side and look at things negative before you look at it positive, you will always see the negative before the positive. And I want you to understand something. Abishai had a different perspective than David. It's just like looking at this glass. If I said this is half full, someone would correct me and say, well, pastor, it's also half empty. Right, Alex? Where is he? (laughs) And both are correct. 
However, however, if we go through our life looking at the negatives, you're going to stay there, park there, live there, and you're going to lose a lot of good in life. Because it's a tendency that we always look at the worst instead of the best. And that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it teaches us that not to keep any records of wrong. God doesn't want us focusing on the negative things. There is a story. Uh, there's a story of a man named Jack. And Jack decides to take a hike in the mountains. And so Jack goes in the mountains. And, and the mountain roads get to be a little small. They get thin sometimes. And they get wide. And they get thin. And he's climbing and he's climbing. And he's not paying attention because he thinks he hears something behind him. And while he's looking behind him, he steps, falls off the cliff. And he's fallen and finally holds, holds on to a branch that's coming off of the mountain. He's hanging there in dear life, looking at his particular situation. And he's crying out for help. And he's crying, help, is anybody up there? Help, help. But there's nothing. He seemed like he cries and he cries and nobody is hearing him. And he finally thinks it's been days, but it's only been kind of a few minutes. But for him, it seems so long until finally he heard someone And he says, I'm down here. But the voice says, I see you. I don't see you. But he says, Jack, I see you. And then Jack says, who are you? And he says, it's me. It's God. It's me. And Jack says, oh, God, I'm glad you're here. I slipped. I need some help. And God starts to say, Jack, do you love me? And Jack says, yeah, I love you, God. And then Jack. God says, do you trust me? And, 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 and Jack says, God, I trust you. And then Jack says, God, God, this is a really bad time for a quiz. But God says, Jack, I need to know that you want to listen to what I have to say. And, and Jack says, yes, God, I listen. And finally God said, but Jack, are you willing to really trust me? And Jack says, God, I have no choice. Yes, God says, and God says, okay, Jack, this is what I want you to do. I, I want you to listen. You say, you're going to listen? He said, Jack says, yes, I'm going to listen. He says, you trust me? And, and Jack says, yes, I trust you. And now by that time, Jack is starting to get a little intense as he answers, yes, I want to trust Just help me. God says, okay, okay. He says, uh, let go of the branch. He looks down, and he sees the long way. He looks up. And there's a pause. And Jack says, God, I can't let go. I just can't. God says, Jack, is it can't or won't? You said you trust me. And Jack says, I do trust you, Lord. You said you listen to me. I will listen to you, Lord. Then Jack, I have the answer. Let go of the branch. And that is the longest pause But finally, he says, no way. And God says, how come? How come you won't listen? How come you won't obey? And then Jack says these words. I guess I don't trust that deep. And then after a deep pause, Jack says, Lord, and some tender voice comes from heaven. Yes, Jack. Is there anybody else I can talk to? So many times we play this with the Lord when God just says, what have I asked you to do right now? That's what I want you to do. That's what I want you to do. 
You see, they have a different perspective, and Abishai is not seeing the long-term perspective. All he's seeing is the short-term perspective. And if David was to take the short-term, it would have been problem for the long-term because they had a different perspective. Sometimes our personal perspective is different from God's personal perspective. And so we really need to get God's perspective on things. What was driving David's belief, his convictions, not to touch Saul? That was really simple. It was scripture. We go to Chronicles chapter 16, 22. It says this. It's really powerful. Touch not my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Again, we find from Scripture in Psalms 105, 15, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. And so David knew what the word of God said and was not going to touch the anointed. He recognized if God put him in power, God's going to have to take him out. And so David has come to the point to say, listen, Abishai, God will take care of it his way. You see, David had learned from chapter 25. Remember the story of last time with Nabal? He was ready to put it in his own hands. He was already going to kill all the males. He was just going to show him because he offended me. And yet, when he did it God's way, God took care of things on his own timing. And he got the chance to see what God will do. So... To trust God with timing and details, not through, not to let your emotions lead you. These are lessons that David learned and he applied because he learned it in chapter 25 and along the way. So he's not let the emotions lead his actions because he knew that that's what happened when it was Nabal and he finally did what was right. He learned not to let other people's actions affect his actions. So that's very important that when someone does something to you, you do not let their emotions or what they do control you. That's very important. So often it's like someone will say this, ooh, they make me so mad when they do that. And I always tell them, oh, you mean they control you? No, they don't control me. Well, well, you just said every time they do that, they make you so mad. So if you focus on someone's actions and they affect your actions, then you're not handling it properly. And because you're not handling it properly, they're making changes in your life because how you're getting so mad. They may get you mad. They may get you upset. They may do something wrong. But your choice, how you respond, is always yours. Someone say amen. What else did David learn? David learned it's not his job to interfere with God's plan. God has a plan. We don't always know it, but we have to trust him. You either trust or you rust. It's a choice. So I want you to understand that David is finally getting it. How many times have we got to go through different things in life and we say, God, I'm a slow learner. How many many are slow learners here? Raise your hand. Come on. Be honest. I I am. I, I feel like I'm a slow learner. I really am. Yeah, and I've been to so much schooling, and it's crazy. And I'm still in school. I graduate and went to another one. You know, I just keep on learning. But I'm a slow learner. I I really feel like that. But I say to the Lord all the time, I may be slow, but, Lord, I'm going to get there. (laughs) And I want you to understand that the key is just learn. Learn what God's trying to do in you. David was truly understanding something here. This is a powerful portion of scripture I want to revisit again from last week. 
Do not repay, Romans 12, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Because be careful to do what is right in the eyes of what? Come on, say it. Everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, saith the Lord. Someone say amen. So I don't know about you, but we all have problems when we have a hard time trusting. And David is learning how to trust. It brings us to the next point here. David's trusting God to protect and provide for him. Look what happens in 26, 12. So David took his spear and his water jug, Saul's head, and they left. At the head, at Saul's head, and they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. Why? This is the point we get later in the session here. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. Then David crossed over to the other side and stood on top of a hill some distance away. There was a wide space between them. He called out to the army and Abner, son of Ner, watch this. Aren't you going to answer, Abner? Abner replied, who are you who calls to the king? David says, you are a man, aren't you? And who is like you in Israel? Why didn't you guide your Lord, the king? Someone came to destroy the Lord, the king. But you have, what you have done is not good. As surely as the Lord lives, you and your men deserve to die because you did not guard your master. The Lord's anointed. Look around you. Where are the king's spear and a water jug that's near his head? Now catch this. This is important. Because you have to trust God in the process. When things are difficult, and how many gone through a difficult thing? At least one time in your life. <laughs> when they're difficult, that is the time to apply what you say you believe. Because your belief must be in your behaviors, if you truly believe it. People say they believe a lot of things, but it is not tested until you go through the hardships. That's when you really know what you believe. And David has definitely been through some. We find here God is watching over David. God is protecting him. Here he is walking into 3,000 well-trained soldiers. And it says here, the Lord put him into a deep sleep. I have been thinking about that. And during the week here, I've been thinking about deep sleep. And then I know a lot of people have problems sleeping. Don't raise your hand. But if I was to take a guess on people that have a hard time sleeping, I'm going to give maybe half of you. And that's high. It's probably even higher. But nevertheless, and I'm going to tell you why you have a hard time sleeping. is because your mind is not at rest. And if your mind is not at rest and you worry about this and you concern about this and you think about this, I'm going to give you a lesson that my auntie taught me when I was very, very young. She had eight kids, um, and at the time she told me this, um, I was probably a teenager, and uh, she was taking care of her sister, which was older than her, and she had a lot of stuff on her plate. And she said, you know how I handle life? I have a lot of problems in life. I have a lot of children, a lot of grandchildren, a lot of situations going on, and there's always something going on. But you know how I go to sleep? You know how I rest in God? In my mind, I put all the problems in a shoebox. 
And I say, Lord, here is my shoebox, and I'm going to put all my problems in this shoebox. I then put the cover on it. I then put it underneath my bed. And I said, Lord, me and you are going to have a good night's sleep. Those problems will be there in the morning. I'll see you then. I love that perspective. I love that perspective because, see, she understood that she could only change certain things in life. And those certain things in life are not to control you. You know, you you can't control what other people do. Someone say amen. And worrying about it, it's not going to help. That's where you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will what? He will what? He will direct your path. Is that a promise? That is a promise from our God. And so we need to realize that God did this work, and he's protecting now David. And there is a spear there, and there is his water jug. And David could attempt it. say, wow, there is a spear. I could just end it all. Do the easy way. Everybody wants shortcuts today. I, I can't tell you how many times everybody wants to be a millionaire. Everybody wants this. Everybody wants so many things, but no one wants to work. Everybody wants the easy track. Everybody wants to get to the place where they want to go. They want to get all they can get, can all they can get, and then sit on the can. That's what they want. I don't want to work hard. Work hard what? You know, a lot of times... I was listening to a guy the other day in business, and he's in a big corporation, and he said this. He said, uh, one of the guys, how did you get to this level? And he said, well, I, I worked myself out of 13 jobs. He worked himself out of 13 jobs to get to the level. I, I want you to understand something. God is with David. I want you to know, David and Abishai were alone in the midst of 3,000 soldiers, and God was with him. God protected him. And if God is with you, how should you sleep? How should you walk? How should you go through your problems? If God is that big, then he's bigger than your problem, isn't he? The problem is this, and this is the problem. The problem is never the problem. It's how we, how we handle the problem that becomes the problem. Do you understand the problem? It's not the problem. It's how we respond to the problem that becomes our biggest problem. And sometimes David is catching this. He said, we're not going to touch the king. He's anointed. He's, God put him in power. I am not going to take it into my own hands. Someone say my own hands. Whenever you take things in your own hands, you're going to make a mess. Leave it in God's hands. You do your best. God will do the rest. Look at someone and say he's talking to you. Look what it says here in verse 17 to 20. This is about committing your way to the Lord. Saul recognized David's voice and said, is that you? Your voice, David, my son? David replied, yes, it is, my Lord, the king. And he added, why is the Lord pursuing his servant? Why have I, what have I done? And what wrong am I guilty of? Now let your Lord, the king, listen to his servant's words. If the Lord has incited you against me, then may he accept an offering. If, however, men have done it, may they be cursed before the Lord. They have now driven me from the share of the Lord's inheritance and have said, go and serve other gods. Now do not let my blood fall to the ground far from the presence of the Lord. The king of Israel has come out to look for a flea as one hunts a partridge in the mountains. 
David's simply saying, Saul, once again, how many times do we have to be here? Why are you chasing me? When we saw sight and sound, and you saw Saul sing that song, what went through your mind? When he sings a song, I'll do whatever I have to do. I'll steal, I'll kill, I'm doing, I'm going to keep the crown. That's exactly what Saul was. He was going to keep the crown no matter what. And if he could kill David, then Jonathan could take the crown. And his dynasty would continue. Well, what's the problem with that? The problem with that, God said to Saul, your dynasty is not going to continue. You have not been the king that I have wanted and that your, your kingdom is over. I am going to look for a man after my own heart. I want you to understand something here that we have to be all in. It's really important for us to be committed to the Lord. David commits all his way to the Lord. He puts himself in the future of his God. He is not going to do anything that's going to upset God's plan. And I was thinking sometime back when God saved me and when I went from one extreme to another overnight. So here's a young man who cheated his way through high school. Here's a young man who I went to a vocational school, so I learned my trade, and I was good at my trade because I knew my trade would make me the dollars I want to retire at an early age. And so I was focused, but the rest of the academics, I cheated. I mean, I cheated. And I passed. But when God saved me and brought me to school, well, I really struggled. I really struggled. But the, the thing is, before that took place, I made a decision all by myself in my boiler room. I made a decision to say, God, I choose you. I'm willing to give you a blank piece of paper to fill out that I mean it. I mean it that I mean it, that I don't care about the three digits. I, all I care about is pleasing you. So here's a blank piece of paper. What do you want me to do? And if you know the story, there was two pieces of paper. One, if I stood in my trade making good money, having all the things that I want. And then the other one was all about other people. So one list said me, and the other list said others. And I lifted up the other list. God, this is what I want. And the next day, the next day, I'm forced. Someone say forced. I'm forced into Bible school. I mean, eventually I had to say yes. Because I knew what God was doing. But what if I said no? What if I said no? What if I said, you know what, God? I hate teachers. I hate professors. I hate school. I hate red pen. I hate, I hate. And I just complained. I said, God, go find someone else. I don't want to do it. That could have been my story. Because I had that attitude along the journey. I remember I threw my test in a teacher's face one time. I was so upset. I'm like, God, why do you put me here? I am I am a square peg and a bunch of round holes, man. So the teacher, it, I guess it took me three minutes before I handed my paper. The teacher says, you're not done yet. Oh, yes, I am. I let you know what I got. I got a 15. <laughs> I repeated that all over again, that course. Got an A on that course at the second route. I said, God, you got the wrong person, man. I, I'm, I'm just not this type. I'm not, this is not for me. 
I could have I said no. David's learning to yield to what God is trying to do, even when it's not comfortable. But he learned from chapter 25. He learned from Abigail. Abigail, an intelligent, wise, beautiful young lady, speaking to a man who's angry. But because he wanted to listen, because he wanted God's heart, he listened to a total stranger to speak wisdom to her, to him. And now in 26, he is ready to say, you know what? God's going to take care of this. I am not going to. I am not going to get myself involved. Psalms 37.5, it says, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday. You know, if I can get anything past you today, can you get this? Trust is not just a word, just like love is not just a word. Love, you know love is real when love is seen in actions. We all know that. People say, oh, I love Jesus. I've heard that all my life. I love Jesus. But I can then say the thing people say they love Jesus are not showing the love to their neighbor. How can you say you love God when you can't show your love to your neighbor? If you love God, love your neighbor. I don't like her. I don't like him. I don't like them. God doesn't care about whether you like him or not. God's not asking for your, your approval. He said, simply, daughter, son, guess what? I loved you when you weren't that pretty. I loved you when you were a stubborn. I loved you when you were on your own little, little attitude track. I never left you. So why are you being what you're doing now to someone else? Love them right where they are. David is catching it. He's willing to say, okay, I am in it to win it. I am not messing around with God's plan. And I think we need to do the same thing. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. How many like to see the sun rise? It's really rotating, but anyhow... Coming up, the justice of your cause like the noonday. He's going he gonna to shine and bless you. Everybody wants the blessing, but we don't want to do the stuff to be blessed. Come on now. Nudge somebody and say, ooh, that hurts. You can. I, I've gone through a lot of stuff. I've gone through a lot of stuff. And I have learned that in the midst of it all, you can trust God in the midst of the pressure. You can trust God when your situation is difficult. You can trust God to work out on your behalf. You can commit your ways to the Lord. He can be trusted. I've just been too much stuff to see anything else. I've seen miracles. I've seen God's divine power. I've seen God's divine provision. I've just seen too much. You, I, for me, there, there's no way of going back when you see the goodness and the greatness of God. When you taste and see, the Lord is what? Come on. When you taste and see, the Lord is what? Good. Oh, he's more than that. Sometimes we live below that and we're like, God, God, help us. You can trust him. You can trust that God's working it out. If you stay steady, be a steady Eddie. If you just work it, just stay with God. Stay with God. Just stay with him. Get to know him. He'll do some great things in the midst of your situation. Trust God. He does, have, he does know what he's doing. He has a reward. 
1 Samuel chapter 21, then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son, because you consider my life precious today, and I will not try to harm you again. Would you trust Saul? <laughs> Surely I have acted like a fool and have uh, erred greatly. Here's the king's spear, David answered. Let one of the young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. But I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from my trouble. This is powerful. David understands this. David's truly understanding that God's going to do right if he does right. I love this saying, faith honors God, God honors faith. Just think about this. Put it something in the horizontal here. Say you have children, and you know I have quite a few. So we have children, and you say to your children, I need you to do your chores. And let's just say one of your child is really doing their chores with effort. They're taking care of chores. You don't have to remind them. Um, this almost seems like a dream. But anyhow, let's just go with the illustration. <laughs> and the kids are just doing their chores, and they're, just, they're really doing well. I mean, matter of fact, they're going beyond the norm, you know? What do you think you're going to do for the child to say thank you? You think you're going to first say, hey, you're doing great. I mean, you really is. I mean, you're doing it on your own. You're really showing some responsibility here. I'm really proud of you. You're doing good. And because you went the extra mile, I tell you what I'm going to do. And you do something kind to them. How many would do that? How many would do that? Yeah, a good parent would do that. I had times, I, I try to teach my kids, I had times that they didn't do it right. I mean, you know, they just, you know, and I just said, I declared, because I was the CEO of the family, I declared a just because day. And they would say, yeah, but we didn't do our chores today. I said, I know, you didn't. But God does blessings upon us too, even when we don't deserve it. So I'm going to Take you out. Today, the just because day, I'm going to just bless you just because I love you. Nothing to do that you didn't do your chores. Look, you missed them all. <laughs> My kids one time said to me, Dad, I, I think you had kids just so you could get work done. <laughs> and now, now they're like, they're like workaholics. Uh, they're, they're good workers today, let me tell you. Um, but so I would say, we go to a store, they could have anything in the store. Anything, man. I loved it when the kids, I said, you could listen. You can have anything in the store, anything you want. And they go, anything? Anything, man. You guys, just because they. Now, they were like, the oldest at that time was probably seven, maybe six. And they're all maybe, maybe, maybe seven, eight. Anyhow, they're all young. I think they were the only oldest one that caught on. And uh, I took them to a dollar store. <laughs> Got to be wise. You know, do it, do it. Because things change when they get older. <laughs> And then I had to put a, a, le a limit on my because days. But we had a lot of fun because it should be fun. Learning should be fun. And God's there to, to re reward us. You know, if we love, and, and the Bible tells us this, if God loves us, and if an earthly father is going to do something good for their children, wouldn't a heavenly father do something even more? Look at your neighbor and say, you're so blessed already. Mm. David proclaims that the, the Lord will reward every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. And David has been righteous and faithful. Look at your name and say he hasn't been perfect. 
And, and I, can I also say that he's going to make some mistakes as we come, uh, you know, come along the journey. You see, it's not about being perfect. Sometimes people think we have to do everything. You know, we got to be perfect. God's never called you to be perfect. He asked you to strive to be better, to grow, to be more like him. Christ is perfect. But that's not an excuse not to try. Someone say amen. You're in a sanctification process. You're, you're, you're changing. You're going through the process. God wants to reward you. And I don't know about you, but I look forward to I Listen, I do what I do because I love the Lord, but I can't wait to see Jesus face to face. I don't want to live life. I got a lot of things going on right now. And I'm doing them. And I'm forcing myself to do it. And I'm doing these things. I'm doing it because I want to be the best me. That means I wake up really early to get things done. I'm going to get up really early to get things done. If I have to give up some things that are just things that are not going to be beneficial or productive, that's okay with me. Because I'm looking at a higher goal. I'm looking at a more of a greater impact. How can you touch people? Because it's all about not what you say. It's about what you do. So let me give you, and I'll close with this here, just a couple thoughts. So in this chapter 26, we see David finally learning the lessons from chapter 25. He's no longer taking anything in his own hands. He's leaving it into God's hands. Wisdom has now been knocking on the door, and he is now willing to open the door and say, okay, God, it's your way, not my way. I'm going to trust you. Look what a portion of Scripture says in Colossians chapter 3, 23. It says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Someone say amen. amen. I'm going to challenge you, and I have no problem challenging you. But if you're going to do something for God, be all in. Don't do it half-heartedly. Don't do it just because, well, you know, don't just do the minimal. I remember hearing a story one day when this construction guy uh, was building a house for this multi-billionaire. And um, this billionaire had this beautiful house built. And so he built this beautiful house. And he did the best quality, the best materials. I mean, it was a great house. And I've been in some pretty great houses. And, uh, and so the billionaire was so impressed with his workmanship and how well he got the job done. He said, build me another one. I want you to build me another one. And so this time, the construction guy thought, wow, I made this much profit on this last time. If I start cutting a little here, a little here, I can, make a, I can make a lot more profit. So that's what he did. This house, he cut. He cut, he cut, he cut. Everything he can possibly cut. Still looked like the same house, but he cut in every possible way in materials. And then the multi-millionaire went over to him, picked up some keys and said, here you go. I built this for you. Isn't it funny? But if he knew that house was him, would you think he would have cut it? So if you do something for the Lord, what effort, what, what, what level of intensity are you doing it for him versus how you do it for yourself? I don't know. I only have one way of living, and it's all full in, full speed. Whenever I play sports, I play hockey, and I'm, I play hockey hard. My, <laughs> my brother would often say, man, you're so competitive. And it's true. I out to win. 
Now, I can lose and be glad about it, but I'm not going to lose easy. I play to win. I remember a time with my son, we were playing hockey and stuff, and I played defensive men. And um, he, he was trying to go around me, and I would break up all his shots all the time. And one time he got so mad at me. He said, man, man, you won't let me get by you. No, son, that's my job. I am the defensive man. My job is not to allow you to score. You take it, whatever you do, Ecclesiastics 9.10 says, whatever thy do, do it with all thy might. I don't know. Maybe we should all live with an intensity to live to God like that because one day there's gonna, he's going to hand rewards. And he's going to say, well done. Everybody talks about well done, thy good and faithful servant. You know what? Not everybody's going to hear that. But you can, you got to make a choice in life that that's what you hear because you don't just do things for the credit of man. You do it because you want to praise almighty God. Romans chapter 2 says this. God will repay each person according to what they have done. God's, God don't sleep. David knows that his actions are important. That's going to affect his life. David made a major, two major mistakes when he was, uh, that's coming up. And those two major mistakes affect his whole life. But if he didn't make those two major mistakes, he made other mistakes. But they weren't as major as the other two. There's really one that's even more major, to tell you the truth. That when scripture talks about it, it talks about this one thing. We'll talk about that in, in the journey to come. I, I want you to understand that David... David understood this. Verse 25 says this. Then Saul said to David, may you be blessed, my son David. You will do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way and Saul returned home. I want you to get this in your heart because this is really, really important. Is that 3,000 men were after David. David sees him in camp. He goes into camp. Goes into the camp. Steals the, the, the spear and the water bottle of the king. And because he does that and God is with him in this journey, he stops everything else from taking place. What can we learn from that? When you have a problem and there's a situation and you need to deal with it, nothing ever gets better by pushing it to the back burners. If there's a problem... You see, David didn't say, oh, they're after me. I'm just going to passively just run and keep running, keep hiding, keep running. No. He went into the middle of the camp. When you know God is with you, this is big. When you know God is with you, he's blessed you. He'll go before you. You're not alone. No matter what you go through, you're not alone. You may feel alone. How many of you feel alone? Raise your hand. Yeah. All of us at seasons of life will feel alone, but you're not. God is with you, and God wants to do great things through you. How do you leave it up to God? Well, simply by demonstrating a trust. Demonstrating to trust God on what you do. Trust God to know that he'll make things right. He'll work on your behalf. Trust God that he'll protect you. He'll provide you. That's what the scripture says. My whole life is a testimony to that. And trust God that he's going to reward you. Trust him with your salvation. Trust him with your family. Trust him with your future. Trust him with your work. Trust him with your day. Trust him in every way. You need to trust God. Stop worrying about, well, I don't know, this, this, you know. 
And can I say one more thing? Sure you can, Pastor. Thank you. If you have a need, and there's a need, God can't meet your need if you don't say something. If you're not willing to say, hey, I need prayer about this, or I need help in here. Listen, God uses people. And if you short-circuit God's ways, you bring more havoc into your life because you're not allowing God to be your help. David could never have done what David did unless he had some pretty mighty men. He had many mighty men around him. And that is another story for another day. Can you stand to your feet? Romans 8, 32 tells me this, tells you this. He did not spare his, his own son, but gave him up for us all. How he not only, uh, how will he also along with him graciously give us all things? God sent forth his son to do a great work, to bring salvation for us. This is a powerful thing. We are blessed by God. We are blessed. As you just close your eyes for a minute, a minute, those watching online, God so much wants to help you understand that there are some things in life that are bigger than you. And you need to let God in. And the first thing you need to let God in is first give God the, the control of your life. You need to say, God, here I am. Forgive me of my sin. Sin separates us from God. Because we do things our way, not God's way. We want to be in the captaincy. And God says, listen, I know where the ship needs to go, but I need the wheel to get you there. Will you, are you willing today, are you willing to let me have the wheel? If you give God the wheel, he'll always steer you in the right direction. I'm so glad I gave God the wheel of my heart and my life. He accomplished so much in my life, and he's not done yet. Great, greater things are yet to come, and the same thing for you. So if you're here today and Jesus is not your Savior, if you're here today and you've never surrendered your heart to the Lord, when you say, God, here I am. God, I, I, I just need you. Maybe online, maybe those watching, you never surrendered to the Lord. He cares. Boy, he cares. He cares so much for you. And all you have to do right where you are, right where you are, is say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for being stubborn. Forgive me for doing it my way. Forgive me of taking back the wheel sometimes in my life when I just snatch it out of your hands and say, God, I want to be in control. I want to tell you, he's still there waiting just for you to yield your life to him. He will take up the pieces and put things back together again if you just let him. But this is the day that can change everything by simply saying, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my ways. Right now, say, Jesus, today I make you Lord and Savior of my heart. Today, I believe you came from heaven to earth for me to stretch out your arms and to die for me. And I believe on that third day, you rose from the dead, defeating sin, death, and the grave. And this day, this day, I commit my whole heart to you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Someone say amen. 
Amen. With your eyes closed for a second, with your eyes closed, your eyes closed, I want you to think of somebody in your own family, someone that friends, someone you don't know, and maybe they don't know the Lord. And if you, if you accepted the Lord today, right, say, I accept the Lord today. Just raise your hand. Say, yes, 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 yes. God is good. God is good. God wants to do great work in you and through you. The best is yet to come. Someone give some praise in the house of the Lord. Can you do so? He's worthy.